Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Amen. Okay. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. If you have the uh, amplified version, I would like the amplified version. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So it's now it happened as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39. Let's use the amplified version, please. Let's do the amplified version. Okay. Now while they were on their way, it occurred, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. Verse 39. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha Overly occupied and too busy was distracted with much serving. Now you see that uh, many times what we think is the right thing to do may be a distraction. So you must be able to um, prioritize and make sure that you're not pushing some things too far and neglecting the most important things. Praise the Lord. Are we all here? Okay, so we must not lose sight of the very important things uh, and pay attention to things that are still good but um, not as important as the most important things. Pastor Ideal gave us a very strong and profound lecture on um, important versus um, urgent. Urgent versus important. How that you must be able to pick what is urgent and what is important and decipher which should come first. So, she says, but Martha overly occupied with too much, uh, uh, occupied and too busy was distracted with much serving, and she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to, to help me, to lend a hand, and do her part along with me. Verse 41. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things. You were anxious and troubled about many things. Let me see the NIV version on this verse 41. So it's but only one thing is needed. No, the NIV on verse 41. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, he said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You're worried and upset. This is a translation that relates very much to um, you and I. He said, you are worried and upset about many things. Um, I want to speak to, to, to us this evening about um, joy knowing how important joy is in our lives and as a believer how important it is because you cannot be an effective witness if you're not joyful you know so it's it's imperative for you to know that joy is key for for you as a person jesus said to martha that you are worried and upset about too many things there are some of us who are worried and upset about too many things. You know, um, it's showing in your responses, it's showing in your, um, in your, in the way you talk, it's showing in, in the way you approach matters. Now, you can have, you can have an accumulation of experiences in your life where 
after a while, it has so piled up to the point whereby you begin to respond based on the things that are happening to you. And you have lost your sense of objectivity or objectiveness about issues. And you're very worried about so many things. Now, if you notice in the scripture, Jesus didn't say that Martha is worried about Mary. You know, her concern was initially, if you read the scripture, he says, why, why don't you talk to Mary? Because she's so, I mean, drunk in sitting at your feet and I'm alone working in the kitchen. And that was her grievance. But Jesus looked at her and said, you're worried about too many things. He wasn't talking about Mary. He was talking about many things. So that is to tell you that when you allow accumulation of worry hit your life, you lose sense of proper direction on what you're meant to do per time. Are you getting what I'm saying? I want to, I want to say to us that we must not allow, um, experiences bring a new character into our lives. Don't let your experience bring a new character into your life. Just look deep down into your life. Are there things that you're worried about? Are there things that you're upset about? There are some of us who are legitimately upset about things. You see, but um, the things you're upset about, let me put it this way. If you're upset about things or people, they almost have nothing to lose as much as you do. Because you are putting yourself at the risk of not being effective and efficient because of how you feel. Amen. So, we must be very careful not to have an accumulation of the things that we're upset about. It's always good to deal with things. As they come, deal with them. Handle them. Um, this is not to say that things won't happen to you. See, but like I always say, when, when things go wrong, don't go wrong with things. You must make sure that you are stable in the midst of negative situations. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage us that in this season, we must maintain a level of joy and a level of peace, internal peace. You cannot create peace externally or in your environment if you have not um, created peace inside, first of all. So it's imperative that you create peace inside. Hallelujah. I want you to know that you are created for his pleasure. So let's say together, I am created for his pleasure. Let's say it again. Say, I am created for his pleasure. What does that mean? That's Bible English. That's King James. We were created for thou hast... Yes. All things and for thy pleasure they are. And that sometimes we sing these things and we don't know what we're saying. We're just like, for thou hast created all things and for thy and that they are. And thou art were created. We don't know what we're saying. What does it mean when the Bible says that we were created for his pleasure? In plain English, what does it mean? Hmm? You were created for his pleasure. What does it mean? Hmm? I'm created to give him pleasure. Or, I was created to make him happy. He created me to make himself happy by looking at me. He created me to be joyful when he sees me. Praise the Lord. Revelations 4 verse 11. God wanted to be happy and then he made you. That's a good way to put it. God wanted to be happy, and then he made you. So he created me for his pleasure. He delights in us. The Bible says in Revelations 4.11 that you are 
Worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. So, if God made us differently, now we're about, okay, a number of us in this hall, we're not the same. And he created us all. So that means there is a measure of pleasure that each person brings to God that another person probably does not bring. Am I making sense? Okay, so um, the way Pastor Paul is, he brings pleasure to God in certain ways that I maybe I don't. And the way you are, you bring pleasure to God in certain ways that nobody else does. So you were created to make someone happy. And this person we're talking about is God. So can we say together, I'm making God happy. How do you feel when, how do you feel by knowing that you're making God happy? Think about it. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? Knowing that you're making God happy or that. Some of you might think that it's quite um, selfish for God to make you and then the sole objective of creating you is to make himself happy. You think that's selfish? It's just like the, the, uh, the potter is making the, uh, is molding the clay and then he forms the pot. And when the pot is created, now begins to tell the potter, why did you make me? Who gives you the audacity to make me like this? Do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. In fact, it's because we have a brain. That's why we're even asking all these useless questions. It's because we can think and reason. If God didn't give you a brain, you'd just be operating and you'd be giving him pleasure without you knowing. <laughs> like the trees are doing. The trees give God pleasure. The animals give God pleasure. They don't have a soul. They can't feel. The, um, his creation gives him pleasure. The universe gives him pleasure. It expresses his wonders, expresses his magnificence, does. But now you who has a brain, or you who, you've got a brain, and then you begin to question God, why did you create me just to make yourself happy? But that's the sole reason why he made you. I was made to make God happy. Let's say it together. I was made to make God happy. Let me show you something. Psalms chapter 35 verse 27. Psalms chapter 25 verse 37. Sorry, 35 verse 27. Psalms 35 verse 27. says, let them shout for joy and be glad. Who favor my righteousness, my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure. In the prosperity of his servants. Now you must know also that God takes pleasure when he sees you prosperous. He's happy when you are making it. He's happy when you are prospering. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. First of all, he takes pleasure in the fact that you exist. But not only in your existence, he also takes pleasure in the fact that you are doing it big. He's happy about it. He's happy about it. Praise the Lord. You know, there are people who feel that prospering or being successful is, um, is not as important as being saved. But you were saved to prosper. Salvation is a full package of what? Salvation is a full package. Soterio is a full package of forgiveness from sin. Yes. Healing. What again? Uh, wealth, prosperity, deliverance. That's salvation. So I'm being saved. Which means that 
The same price that was paid for the forgiveness of my sin is the same price that is paid for my healing. The same price that was paid for my healing is the same price that was paid for my prosperity. The same price that was paid for my prosperity is the same price that was paid for my deliverance. The same. So when I begin to enjoy all these things, he's happy. Let's say together, I was created for his pleasure. As I said this, some of you are saying, as I am, you mean I'm making God happy as the way I am. Me like this. Yes, you. You're making God happy. You were created to make him happy. He likes the way you move. He likes the way you swing your arms. He likes the way you look. He likes everything about you. He likes your afro. I'm so jealous of... (laughs) I'm so jealous of his afro. (laughs) Every time I look at his afro, I think about my money, blessed memory. (laughs) Praise God. God loves you the way you are. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. What does it say? It says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You were predestined to bring pleasure to God. I'm just trying to show you scriptures to buttress the point that you made God happy. Hallelujah. So talking about joy, you know, um, joy is a very... Is a very powerful tool. Joy is not necessarily passive. It's actually active. Um, some people are either joyful or frustrated. Like I told you what Jesus said. He said to Martha, he said, Martha, you're worried about too many things. And your problem is not what you're complaining about. That's what many of us are doing. You have been worried over the years, over the months, about too many things. I want you to know that to be joyful is a choice. To be happy is a choice. Your joy is not hinged on anybody. Your joy is not hinged on factors, on circumstances. Your joy is never hinged on people. Yeah. Your joy, real joy, is never a function of what has happened naturally. See, this is the way I put it, that joy may not change the situation But joy will change you. And because you are changed, you will now change the situation. Have you noticed that when you are happy, you are usually at your best? You are more productive when you are happy. Have you noticed that? Yeah. So, when you are not happy, when you are... You are a victim of circumstances and you are not a master of circumstances because you have chosen not to be joyful. You, you stop yourself from enjoying some things that you are meant to enjoy. Now you may be asking a question, are you trying to say, Pastor Phil, that there, there wouldn't be challenges? No, there will be challenges, but I don't know what you mean by challenge. If you're talking about challenge as in the case of you exercising your faith, then that's not a challenge. Every day is a good day. Every day is a good day. And you must tell yourself, every day is a good day. You know, there are some people who reserve when they're going to have fun in the week. I'm going to call off on Saturday. 
And because work is really annoying, work is just so is obnoxious. I I need time to cool off. I need a holiday. Yeah, I need the holiday, but I'm not going to wait for the holiday to be joyful. You get what I'm saying? So every day is a good day. Enjoy work. Enjoy your life. Be at peace with yourself. What last did you look at the mirror and say to yourself, I look good. Or you admire what you're wearing. And then you get angry that people don't compliment you. <laughs> when you haven't complimented yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So be happy. Be joyful. Be joyful. Poke your neighbor and say be joyful. <laughs> First Peter chapter one verse six. 1 Peter chapter one verse six says, "In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials." You see that, like Jesus said to Martha, "You are worried about too many things." You know, there are some people when they walk up to you, you can feel the weight of their problems. In fact, when you shake them, you know they are heavy. You know. It's written all over their face. Lighten up. Lighten up. Be at peace. Relax. Praise God. Enjoy life. Be thankful for everything and anything. There's some people when, when you shake them, you feel the demons of depression. You just feel it's around. It's around. It's around. They are, they are, they are so beaten and battered by life that it begins to translate into too many things that they do and say. Your responses change. You begin to talk in ways that you usually don't talk. You begin to answer questions in ways that you don't normally answer questions. Because you are worried about too many things. Don't worry about things. Praise the Lord. So it says, being grieved by various trials. The Bible is very accurate because it knows that there are times where you're going to be grieved. Now, to be grieved is a strong word. Have you seen a woman who is grieving before? (laughs) A woman who is grieving, she can be a time bomb. Because frustrated people are very dangerous people. So when the Bible uses the word grieve, it's a heavy word. But it says you are grieved. By various trials. Many things have happened over time. And has gotten you to the point of. Being in grief. And you are in denial that you are in grief. But you are. Lift your hands up and say I am happy. Choose to be happy. Verse 7. Verse 7. Says. uh, Knowing that the trial of your faith. Which is more precious than gold. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith. Being much more precious than gold. That perishes. Though it is tested by fire. May be found to praise. Honor and glory. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. If your faith is not tested. There is no honor in your faith. So that's why I told you. That. You must be very careful what you define challenges to be. It's a challenge. Does not mean that you're not having a good day. I can pick out the victory in my day at every point in time. So I'm having a bad day. It's obvious that it's a bad day. But I can pick up the victory. At the end of the day, I can say this is where I'm victorious today. So I'm I'm thinking you how to put things into perspective. And you should also know that you must name things correctly. What is a problem to you? 
or what is a problem to someone else may not be a problem to you because of perspective. You don't see it as a problem. You just see it as a challenge. And you know within yourself that this thing will be over after a short while. Do I be a witness in your spirit? Amen. You see, so when people are frustrated, many times I found out that they usually want to take away what makes others happy from them. So frustrated people, <laughs> there is a time to be happy for frustrated people. I mean, now is not the time for you to be joyful. That's why when you're around people who are very, you know, they have a very depressed countenance, it's it's very easy for them to diminish the joy or to belittle the joy of other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very easy. You walk into a place and people are happy, smiling all the time, or people are just, you know, joyful, and then you walk into the place and the first thing is, <laughs> why are you all, why, in fact, they won't even say, they won't use the word happy. They would use the, why are you like that? <laughs> Praise God. And then they bluff those people who are happy away and say, please, 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 please. You know that kind of thing? Because you are not. Never protect, um, never protect that feeling of going through something. I really don't know how to explain this, but there are some people who protect their problems. Now, when I say you protect it, I mean you like it. You like it because it gives you some sense of, what's the word? the word have you asked yourself why did Jesus ask people who were obviously in problems if they wanted to be healed because you could be in a situation and be very comfortable with it to the point where you're subconsciously protecting it oh Pastor Phil, you don't know what I'm going through you have no idea of what I'm going to, you know, and you enjoy it when you say it. You don't know what I've been through lately. It's been tough for me. But you see, don't get to the point where you protect it. Don't get to the point where you, um, you don't want to deal with it and move on. Some even enjoy the attention that it draws to them. So you must be careful not to be in a situation and have the tendency to protect that situation. Okay, let me give you a, a good example of someone who is protecting um, a negative situations. For example, somebody offends you and you're not happy and you have decided to wait for the person to walk up to you and apologize. And if the person doesn't walk up to you to apologize, the fight goes on. You like trouble. That's another way of saying it. So, we must be able to bring closure to things when there, when there are issues for example, you have a misunderstanding with someone. Don't don't watch it prolong. You know, many of us like we just like to enjoy the fight go on. Do you understand what I'm saying? The way you guys are looking at me, like I'm the only one who is I'm talking about my own experience, and you guys are so holy. <laughs> In fact, for some people, they've been waiting to fight. It's been boring around here. Let me have some. Shaking up with a few people. <laughs> there are some people, if they don't fight, they cannot show how strong they are. They have to show their strength 
By fighting. Or by being malicious. Tell the person by your side, he's not talking about me. Maybe he's talking about you. (laughs) But do you understand what I'm saying? They just enjoy it. They just enjoy to be contentious. They just want to contend with people. Just, Just like it. You know, forgiveness is very important. And is it the danger of, of being a, a frustrated, not forgiving person is the fact that you will hardly fulfill the purpose of God for your life. It's going to be difficult. It's difficult fulfilling God's plan for your life when you're a frustrated person. It's hard. That's why you must not be worried about many things. Deal with issues. Bring closure to issues. And then move on. Don't, don't, don't have the habit of enjoying quarrels. It's not a good habit. That's not a joyful spirit. Everybody can be offended. Jesus said, Offenses will surely come. Is that correct? Offenses are surely going to come. But woe to him who the offense comes from. But still, nevertheless, when the offenses come, you deal with them. Bring closure to them. Is it somebody who will choose not to wait for the other party to apologize? And then walk up to the other person and say, I am sorry. That person is a master of circumstances. You're a master of circumstances. Even though it was the, even though it was the other person who offended you, but you didn't have to wait for the person to run to you and then apologize, but instead you initiated it, then it shows that you're a master of circumstance. Praise God. Praise God. So like I said, choice, it's a choice for you to be happy. Can you say after me, I choose to be happy. Make it louder. Say, I choose to be joyful. Don't let things spoil your day. When you're at work, there are annoying people around you. Choose to be joyful. Choose to be joyful. Do you know, there there are two basic things that can rob you of today's joy. The regret of yesterday and the anxiety of tomorrow. It can rob you of joy now. Many of you are pulling tomorrow's anxiety into your day now and it's affecting you. It's killing you when you are meant to be having a good time with life. You're meant to not worry about things. I feel I should, you know, um, admonish someone here to forgive. You know, I, I had, I had, I had, um, I woke up yesterday and I felt in my spirit that there was someone who was battling with unforgiveness. You know, but I just, I prayed about it, just dealt with it. But let me admonish, if there is anyone here who has not forgiven, unforgiveness like Pastor Chris, or is it Pastor Chris or Pastor Biodo who said that unforgiveness, no, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. That's what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness, somebody offended you, and then because you are bitter, um, you begin to carry a lot of weight in your heart. And this is meant to be against the person. See, the person doesn't even know. You're just killing yourself. The person is not even aware of the drama you're putting up for yourself. You're just staging a drama, acting a drama for yourself, 
And you're just wasting your time on forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiving. What do I mean? Forgiveness is forgiving. Now, it is for, before giving. Which means that you must be prepared to always forgive even before the offense comes. That's why I said forgiveness is for giving. It is given even before the person you are giving it needs it. You give it before. I'm not saying you should anticipate offenses from people. But when the offenses come, always know that you already have forgiveness to give them. Are you still here? Forgiveness is for giving. Praise God. And apart from the fact that forgiveness is for giving, which is given before it happens, forgiveness is also forgiving. Did you get that? For, forgiveness is to give. Freely have you received, freely do you give. You don't hold forgiveness back. Forgiveness is not giving when the situations are calm. You know, one day it hit me that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, that he didn't say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what, what they are doing when he stopped feeling the pain. He didn't say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing when he got to the throne. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing while he was on the cross. Even while the trigger of the pain was still on, he forgave. So don't hold back forgiveness, because unforgiveness is cancer that eats you up. It kills you. Nobody is too important for me not to forgive. In fact, if you don't forgive someone, you're indirectly saying that this person has so much of power to control the way I am. That's what you're saying. You're giving too much power you're giving the person. Unforgiveness. Oh, you offend me right now. Right away you're forgiving. Because my responses are not a function of you. My responses are a function of what he's doing in me. So I'm going to give you forgiveness. Yeah. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive? What did Jesus say? Seventy times what? Seven. And if you, that's how, how many? Four hundred and ninety? If you break that, I did that before. I broke that down into about 16 hours for the most part of the day that you are awake. Don't include when you are meant to be sleeping. (laughs) That's cheating. So the 16 hours that you are awake, break 490 times into 16 hours. You would see that it it will come into two minutes. So when Jesus was telling Peter that you are meant to forgive, he said you are meant to forgive every two minutes. Now you see, the person has to be a witch to offend you every two minutes. It's talking about in a day, one day. See, you have to tell yourself that there is nothing anybody does to you that you can't forgive. You have to tell yourself that. There is nothing anybody says to you that you cannot forgive. Amen. Amen. You have to tell yourself that. That, that you can't, you, can, you cannot, I'm sorry. You cannot do anything to me. Even this projector just forgave me, you know. Can't do anything to me to bring frustration out of me. No. So what, what it means is that forgiveness is not necessarily an act. But forgiveness is, is what? It's an attitude. 
for you to forgive every two minutes, it means that forgiveness has to be an attitude for you. Praise the Lord. I want to admonish you this evening, start learning how to enjoy your life. To make you happier. Just appreciate life. Start learning how to enjoy your life. There must be a problem if all the time you're not happy. There's a a mighty problem. If all the time you're not happy, you're unhappy, you're worried, you look sad every time. There's a problem. It's not normal. That's not the way God made you. From the beginning it was not so. (laughs) When you enjoy your life, you help other people enjoy their life. Yeah, when, when, if you enjoy your life, you help others enjoy their life. So, the question is, did Jesus really solve Martha's problems? Because Jesus looked at Martha and he said, you are worried about how many things? Many things. Too many things. The question I have for you is, did he solve her problem? No. Jesus knew that Martha was worried. And he knew that her worry was not necessarily about Mary, whom she was talking about, but her worry was basically about things that had happened in the past before. Jesus didn't solve the problem of Martha. Many of you are saying to yourself, the fact that God knows what I'm going through, then he should solve my problem. No. God knows what everybody's going through. Am I making sense to you? Yeah. God knows what everybody's going through. He does. So many times, because of this, we conclude that there is an inequality in the society or in the church. And we feel that some people are just happy and some people are just sad. Some people just know how to deal with life well. Others don't know how to deal with life. And you feel there is an inequality in life. You feel this person has it going on, but I don't. No. And you know what many of us church folk do? We always want to blame Satan for it. And say there is an inequality in life because Satan is there. Okay, how about in church? I think the problem is human responses. Our responses. The way we respond to things is the reason why we go through what we go through. Could it be that if you responded differently, you may have not experienced what you're experiencing? Let me teach you something in counseling. Uh, There's what we call the ABC of basic counseling. ABC. A is the activating event, the activating event. The B is the belief system and the C is the consequence. So you have an activating event that would naturally lead to a consequence, but it has to go through the belief system of the person in question. So for example, you have two people, Pastor Ideal and Sai, and they are under the same activating event, or they are under the same situation. If they have two different belief systems, they would have two different consequences. So the way you think helps you deal with what you go through. Your perspective of your challenges help you deal with what you go through. So human responses are the problems that we're facing. Praise the Lord. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. In closing. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. What does it say? Since then he said to them, go your way, eat and f- eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, 
for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Look at your neighbor and say, do not sorrow. I want you to preach it with me. Come on, say, do not sorrow. Tell another person, say, do not sorrow. Why? Joy of the Lord is your strength. Personalize and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, there's a difference between joy and joy of the Lord and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's different. The joy of the Lord, you could interpret it as probably because of what the Lord has done. But the joy of the Holy Ghost is something that is evoked by the Spirit and you have no explanation for it. It's Spirit-driven, Spirit-giving, Spirit-empowered. It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. There's no reason to your being joyful. Somebody needs to press deep into that realm where you're always happy. Joyful. 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 You didn't kill Jesus, sir. You didn't kill Jesus. And even if you did, he has forgiven you. And thirdly, even if you did, that's why he came. So you helped him. (laughs) Praise God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Psalms 37 verse 4. Psalms 37 verse 4. Psalms 37 verse 4. Let's read it together. One to go. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let's say it again. One to go. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires. When the Bible says delight yourself also in the Lord. Is he saying that somebody will help you to do it? Is that an instruction for you to do? Is that something you are asked to do by yourself? So delight yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of it. Can you say after me, say, I choose to be happy. Yeah, your joy is not on anybody. Your joy is not on any woman. Your joy is not on any man. I choose to be happy. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let's read it together again. One to go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Hallelujah. I will rejoice all the time. All the time. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, Rejoice. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Paul had to stretch it to them. It says rejoice is key for you. It's key for you. You know the problem with many carnal Christians? You know what many of us do? We're waiting for what should make us joyful. Don't wait. Rejoice. Start it. Initiate it. I hear what I'm saying to you. Rejoice. It says delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Don't wait for then what different are you from the unbelievers that rejoice because things are happening? What's the difference? Why are you a believer? Can a believer, can an unbeliever rejoice in the Lord? He's not in the Lord. The unbeliever is not what? In the Lord. But you are in the Lord. So you rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3 verse 1. Philippians 3 verse 1. He says, finally my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. 
I'm not tired of telling you to be happy. Because of how important it is to you. You see that? But for you, it is what? Say it together. Say, for me it is safe. It's safe for you to be happy. It's safe. If you're not happy, you are endangering yourself. It's not safe to stay that way. You're upset. You're upset and you're protecting it. Nobody should talk to you. You want to protect it. It's not safe. It's not a good place to be. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Scripture also says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. And you know what the Bible also says? It says, um, anger lies in the bosom of fools. So if you want to see a fool, you can identify a fool by seeing so much of anger inside of him. He's angry about everything, too many things. Can you say after me, it's safe to be joyful. Safe, that's scripture for you. Safe, safe. Be happy, be happy. So, what is the one thing that, that, that Mary did? You know, Jesus said Mary has, this one thing Mary has done, that good, that, that good thing she has found. What is that one thing? Um, Psalms chapter 27 verse 4. Psalms chapter 27 verse 4. It says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is the one thing that you need. So, don't get carried away by, um, by too many things that are happening around you. Stay on this one thing. It's the most important thing. Jesus, look at this, watch this. Jesus walked into the house of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha rightfully started to serve what he's going to eat, how he's going to wash his feet, how he's going to take a shower. That's very good to do. But Mary came and stayed at the feet of Jesus and listened to Jesus. Martha was making food for Jesus. And Jesus said to Martha that what you're doing is not as important as what Mary has done. You're making food for me. I fed 5,000 people. I fed 7,000 people. So why don't you just come sit at my feet and hear me? So I'm I'm telling you now that there is one thing that is needed for you to do. And it is for you to stay glued to his word. Stay with his word. Stay in his presence. That's what you need. Many of you are too occupied with work. It's okay. Work, money, this. I was praying, I was praying for Okay, I was praying for the pastors today and I was, I, 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 my prayer point was, Lord, may they never pursue money beyond your kingdom. Especially, <laughs> praise God. It says one thing is needed, one thing, the word. What is your priority like? In the scale of preference, what comes first? What is the one thing for you? What comes first? John chapter 21 verse 6 lastly John 21 verse 6 says and he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish and this is not where I'm going but the point is that these guys went a fishing after Jesus died and they felt that all their hope was gone so Peter, John and the other apostles decided to just go back to fish and Jesus appeared and, and said do you guys have any fish and they were like oh we have not caught anything and then he's like lay down your nets and then they caught a lot of fish and you know what happened this is very interesting 
he told them to bring the fish that they caught. And he himself had already prepared fish and was roasting fish. The fish he was roasting is not the fish that they caught. Have you thought about it? Okay, you guys look lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? The fish Jesus was roasting is not the fish the the disciples caught. It's different. Which is to say to you that there's a difference between miracle fish and the one you catch. If you stay at his feet, you get the miracle fish. That's what it is. So what you're going out to look for is right in his presence. Stay there. Stay there. Do you know why many of us are not happy? Because we're not content. We're not satisfied with where we are. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't reach out for more. I'm an advocate of... I don't like stagnancy. I don't. I like to always press deep. But in your pressing deep, be satisfied where you are. It's a state of contentment. Are you still here? Be happy where you are. Be joyful that you are where you are. And if you're saying, I wish I could be this, I wish I could be that, I wish I... Why is this not happening? Why is this... Chill. Be happy where you are. Please just project uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let me just show you something. Hebrews... Last scripture. No, no, not last scripture. Before I start to lie here. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. <laughs> I've said last scripture like how many? It says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content. Somebody say be content. Be content. With such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Keep going. Let me see if, if there is still anything more. So me boldly said, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's see First Timothy. Okay, this is last now. <laughs> First Timothy 6 verse 6. First Timothy 6 verse 6. Let's use the amplified version. Says, uh, and it is indeed a source of immense profit for godliness accompanied with contentment. That contentment, that contentment which is a sense of inward sufficiency is a great and abundant gain. See that? Verse 7. For we brought nothing unto the world and obviously we can, we cannot take anything out of the world. Verse, verse 8. But if we have food and clothing with these, we shall be content, satisfied. Satisfied. Verse 9. says, But those who crave to be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish, useless, godless and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction and miserable perishing. That's what happens when people are not content. You see, if you're not content, you, you project your anxiety into your dreams. So that's why you must, first of all, have a stable place of contentment before you reach out for more. You must be glad for where you are. Praise God. Don't, 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 don't fall into this trap. Don't, don't. Amen. Bow down your heads and say, Lord, I choose to be joyful this evening. Choose to be joyful. Choose to be joyful. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Come on, pray. Just pray. If if you haven't forgiven anyone, just begin to say, Lord, I release. I release this person in my heart. I release whatever is making me grievous. The too many things that have been affecting my joy. I choose to do away with them now in the name of Jesus Christ.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you, please look at me. How many of you will make a decision from now henceforth to be joyful all the time? Don't prolong issues. Don't think you're on serious when you laugh. Even God laughs. He who sits in the heaven will laugh. Some of you feel embarrassed when you catch yourself laughing. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, but always take, just pause and laugh. Amen. Amen. So say after me, say, I will be joyful. All the time. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj. 